Father Jonathan, it is not only the third Sunday in Ordinary Time coming up. Uh huh. It's also your birthday. Well, it's also Candlemas, the presentation it is also of our Lord. The presentation of our Lord, but it, hey, don't skirt it. I'm <laughs> wishing you a happy birthday. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, so happy birthday. Uh, <laughs> you know, are you going to preach about your birthday on your birthday? I will not preach about my birthday on my birthday. Okay, well, that's fair enough. I'm going to preach you, about uh, Jesus. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Did you get yeah. a chance to preach uh, yesterday for, what was it, the second Sunday in Ordinary Time? I did. I My pastor is on his family visit, so I've got all the masses. So I preached Ooh. three times. How was that? It was great. Yeah. Uh, it was it was an okay homily. I got a lot of really positive feedback on it, which I was really appreciative of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this, I've I've come to this realization that the longer my homilies are, the more I'm struggling with them. Oh. Because it's okay. easier just to keep talking <laughs> mm-hmm, than to, mm-hmm. like, actually know what you want to say and say it. Yeah. This applies to writing as well. Yeah, exactly. So it's usually yeah. a good indicator if I'm, you know, if I've hit, like, 1,200 words and I am still haven't wrapped things up yet. Sure, that things aren't going very well. Yeah, that so there's that saying that Mark Twain saying that's very famous, you know, when he turns into his editor, you know, a manuscript that he finishes and he says, you know, I would have written less if I had more time. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is exactly right. It's like a sign of bad writing is writing that just keeps going and going and going. Right. Same thing with preaching. It's like if you can't find a way to concisely say what you want to say, mm-hmm. then you're probably not saying what you want to say well. Right. Yeah, and this weekend, it was another one of those sets of readings where I kind of felt guilty for not mentioning that reading from Corinthians because it's so well-known. Sure. Um, and like, r- there's a lot of good stuff to say about it, mm-hmm. but I really wanted to focus on, um, on how this, on how these disciples just up and left and like what that oh, means. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So I kind of, I told a little story about, you know, my art and how I kind of gave it up when I entered the novitiate. And then in Regency, I was mission to teach. And that's when it kind of came back and became a big thing. That's great. Yeah. And just being called out of what your norm is to do what the Lord is asking. Yeah. And I, and I even, I was explicit and said, look, I, I put this away because I, of what I thought was an imitation of these first apostles. Mm. Um, but that's not what God was calling me to leave behind. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. The mass that I went to, I didn't get to preach. I was uh, just the deacon at it, and sadly, the priest had me read the abridged version of the gospel, which <laughs> I found no to call be of the apostles. Yeah, but he, in turn, I was really grateful for this. He focused exclusively on the letter to the Corinthians, mm. and you're right; it's such a vivid and wonderful uh, part of the letter that I would go back to it in a heartbeat, you know, to yeah. pray with and to and to preach on it anytime. Um, you know, but yeah. so, so, so go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say that along those lines of being called, like I, I did attempt at least to connect it with the lands of Zebulun and Naphtali, how those were, those were the northern tribes that were, that were um, lost. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's where Jesus goes. Sure. Yeah, you know, to reconcile where, the lost, yeah. That's right, to bring back the exiled. 
Well, also, I mean, I got this from Bishop Barron's homily, which is really great this week because he he focused on exactly what we were wondering about at the end of our last episode. Something uh-huh. about also that Jesus is from Nazareth, which is from the north in the in the land of Galilee, which is where the tribes are of those two tribes are. So Jesus is reconciling from the periphery as well. Like mm-hmm. he's he's yeah. coming from there. Um, no, so that's good. Cool, man. So this Sunday we have, uh, I guess, an interruption, a hiccup for ordinary time. Uh, yeah, look, kind of, you know, this isn't often on a Sunday. Right. So we and, have the I mean, piece of the does. presentation. I, yeah. It, it comes up, it does come up on a Sunday on a pretty regular basis, but not always. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, it is kind of an interruption. We've got this reading from Luke, which mm-hmm. is not the normal cycle A. Um, right. Right. You know, right off the bat, I got to tell you, like, I, I immediately got some, like, good Christmas vibe from these readings. Like, it's very oh, yeah. clear to me that this is 40 days after Easter. Uh-huh. Oh, sorry, 40 days after Christmas, which Christmas, is precisely yeah. why this feast exists. It's 40 right. days, according to the law of Moses, that they would come and present the child. But, you know, really, who's being presented here? Is it Mary? You know, the mother to be purified, etc. All that in the Mosaic law. Like, yeah. I don't really understand a lot of those details, but there is a clear <laughs> liturgical connection with the 40-day anniversary Absolutely. of... Of Christmas, where the child Jesus is brought to the temple, and like, I think there's a whole homily there, right? Like, sure, you know, we're now in the month of February, and we can go back to the mystery of the incarnation uh, at Christmas and sequence all of it together. You know, where you have mm-hmm. the preparation of Advent, um, which began with the uh, Christ the King uh, celebration at the end of the ordinary time, and then now we're coming full circle kind of with Christ the King, because Jesus is being presented in the temple, which is, you know, the house of the Lord. And right. that is, you know, it's on Mount Zion, you know. Anyway, so the the child king is taking his rightful place within the dwelling place of God. Like, there's just something really yeah, poetic about yeah. how this all like kind of comes together. Yeah. Well, and we've had a continuation, I think, of this theme of light that keeps coming in. Simeon says, um, you have prepared... Uh, this thing which you have prepared, which is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Um, you know, last week we um, Isaiah was talking about the one who's coming to be a light to those who live in darkness. Yeah. Um, and so now we can say, okay, now we've got not just this Old Testament prophecy of what we believe is the case with this Christ child, but now Simeon himself is is professing this. Mm-hmm. As another mm-hmm. kind of a fulfillment of the prophecy, yeah, which is really yeah. cool. And yeah. I, I mean, I'm somewhat partial to this image of light. I think it's a beautiful, and it all, comes up in my prayer all the time. Um, Christ, the light. He's the light. He's you know the one that, and we get to be reflectors of that light. We get to share in that. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a great poem by Tolkien called Mythopoeia, where he talks about how. Um, Really, all of creation is kind of the light refracted into different hues. The light of Christ, the light of creation, mm. yeah. refracted into different hues. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good. That's good. Yeah, so also even just the images, you can play with that image of light also with some of the images of Malachi that we have this week. You know, so um, refiner's fire. So there's fire, uh, right, light, and right. fire always go together. I'm assuming Fuller's lie it has to do with what? Is that a dye? Uh, yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I think so. I seem to be corrected, but I think it has to do with like, like, like when Jesus was transfigured, his clothes was turned dazzling white, like no fuller uh-huh. could dye them or whatever. 
Um, I think it has to do with that. So something about like the bleaching turning color brilliant. Um, you know, there's a refining of metal, which, you know, can shimmer like gold light. So there's a lot of stuff that you can play there with light as well. Um, yeah. that all these images in the old Testament. Um, and what's great about it is that, you know, we were preparing the way of the Lord who is coming. Yes, he is coming. The Lord of hosts. Um, hmm. yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of really great stuff here. The light will dawn, like you're saying with Simeon, that the prophecy of the old Testament is coming to its fulfillment in the child Jesus. So like Simeon and Anna both represent like John the Baptist. They both represent the old Testament. Um, you know, this old man, uh, this prophetess that, you know, for a long time have been waiting. And now those who've been waiting have seen a clear light. Right. Yeah, no, I like that. You know, it's, yeah, there's so much of that beautiful image of, um, well, yeah, just what you were saying, this refining, this purifying, this light is coming into a more pure, and now it's here Mm -hmm. with, with Christ being presented Mm -hmm. exactly Mm -hmm. where, where he needs to be in his in his father's house. Yeah, yeah. Um, just really quick, going back to Malachi, I I wanted to emphasize too. This is kind of a different, a disparate point, but like, there's there's clear resonances here with I think uh, the way the Gospels talk about John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. I think that's an explicit quotation that the evangelist will use to describe John the Baptist. You know, I'm sending my messenger before me to prepare my way. Uh-huh. Um, so there's again the illusion of John the Baptist and. You can also bring in some of the stuff you said last week about being sent on mission. It's like, how are you sent to prepare the way of the Lord um, who is coming? Um, I don't know. There's a lot there, too, that I might I might focus on. Yeah. Did um, did this letter from the Hebrews strike you at all? Because there's some really neat stuff in here. Hebrews is always a weird thing for me Yeah. To just to read and to preach on. What stood out to you when you read it this time? Well, this whole... Um, through death he might destroy the evil one who has the power of death and free those who through the fear of death had been subject to slavery all their life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is just kind of a, a constant meditation that I've had over the past, well, many years um, about death and the fear of death, which is kind of explicit here, um, which, not to harp on this point, but was also, I think, brought up in my reading of a lot of Tolkien stuff. Um but that looking at, you know, it's not just death that we fear, mm-hmm. especially looking at who we are as human beings being created as we are, you know, created without sin that was on us. But like, would Adam and Eve had died, would they have died a natural death? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, they, had the, good... they had the tree of life, so presumably as long as they were eating the tree of life, they would not, but I, I can't imagine that God would have made them without without that kind of defining feature of what it means to be a human. Um, and yeah. so I can't I can't yeah. help but think that death is not a consequence through sin death ent- entered the world is something that St. Paul also talks about. But this fear mm-hmm. of death I think is really what for me at least that's what because we look at the our lady, you know, in the Eastern tradition, they've got the Dormition of Mary rather than the Assumption, which is what we celebrate on the same day. Uh, And I find that to be such a helpful image for me. Like she gives us a glimpse at what, of what death would look like before the fall, which is a peaceful falling asleep, a reunion with Christ and an enter and entering into that fullness of life. Sure. No, I think so. Maybe one thing to be that said was a lot is of that, rambling. Sorry. 
<laughs> yeah, well, just to maybe help a little bit. So death does enter the world through sin. And I think whatever we would have experienced before the fall is kind of a moot point. Um, sure. Because no, and I agree with, I mean, right. Um, so, but maybe just to help a little bit is that death, death here is being talked about in a way that we shouldn't fear it, but because Christ has already conquered death. Right, exactly. So perhaps those in the Old Testament had every right to fear death because death was the end. There was no hope <laughs> of salvation after death because, we, well, the covenant well, they had the hope of hope. <laughs> right, but now we have the fulfillment of hope in Jesus, right? And I think there's something really right, striking there in this in this reading. Is that So for me, like if we were to zoom out for a second, just to bring it back to like, how is this letter from Hebrews in context with what we're doing here at the presentation? I think what's happening kind of like what I was talking to you during Advent is who is Jesus? And I think the Jesus that's presented mm-hmm. to us this Sunday is the Psalm tells us clearly who is the King of glory. Right. So he's the he's the king. What does Hebrews tell us? Well, Hebrews is this wonderful priestly meditation on Jesus, the high priest before God. Even this week, we're told that he might be merciful and faithful high priest before God to expiate our sins. So he is king, he is priest, but also he is child, right? And he is the child that brings salvation to those who have long been waiting in hope to the prophet. So like there's something about who Jesus is here, right? So we have the image of the prophet, the king, the priest. Jesus is all that. He's being brought into Jerusalem to be presented to the temple. He's a fulfillment of the old law. There's just a lot about the identity of Christ. So for me, that's the focus, is who is Jesus? And Yeah, well, and again, he's not just the light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. He's the light of life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, that absolutely is why is why we why death has been conquered, even though mm-hmm. it's still a reality of our existence. Yeah, yeah. Because we've you know taken away that fear that mm-hmm. it, it that it just ends because it doesn't with Christ. Right. You know, maybe uh, connecting to, I think one thing that's interesting with the presentation is that like death, uh, Jesus submits himself to all of our circumstances. So mm-hmm. he submits himself to death, uh, but he also submits himself to the Mosaic law, right? Like in sure. the presentation going into the temple, like he doesn't save us apart from our experience, but through our lived experience of the law and death, Jesus goes through all of it together. And I think that's going to be another image of who Jesus is for me this week that's important, is that he goes through death, he goes through the law. But notice, too, at the way that the gospel ends, which I really love, which we've talked about before, is that he submits himself also to the the hidden life with Mary and Joseph. Right. So, the child grew he, and became strong, filled with wisdom. What an amazing line. Like, you could spend yeah. a whole homily just on that, that Jesus himself had to grow in wisdom, you know, and had to become strong over time. Uh, he's like us in everything, you know. He's a child like us that grows. He dies like us, you know. He's tempted like us. Anyway, I don't know. I like going no, the Christ a, route really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a really good point. And I think it's, um, yeah, no, it's, I'm struggling for my words here because it's just kind of overwhelming. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. There's so much good stuff there. Yeah. Um, so, so maybe whittle it down. Which, what? May, which may make it a difficult homily to preach. <laughs> exactly. So part of what I've learned with preaching is that there's, there's a, like, kind of like you were saying at the very beginning, is that if there's too much, there's kind of a sign here that we're headed in the wrong direction. So like yeah. when you have disparate thoughts, all of them could be good, but if there's no thread to unite yeah. it all, what's, what's your thread? What's your thesis statement? Well, what's your main idea? Yeah, you know, I was really struck by what you said about 
Well, let me ask you this. Say more about how he is shown as priest, prophet, and king in this reading. Okay, so he's clearly shown as priest in the letter of the Hebrews. Yeah. Right. So in the letter of the Hebrews, which is already a hymn towards the priesthood, with the line, we have the line of Melchizedek and another part of the, the the letter. But here, that he's the faithful high priest before God. Jesus is priest. Good. We also know he's the King of Glory. So the Psalm tells us that he's the King of Glory. Good. Um, we know that he's a prophet. Look at the beginning of Malachi. I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. So we have allusions to John the Baptist. We also have the prophetess Anna. We have Simeon. We have prophecy being fulfilled in Jesus. So the image of pro- maybe not Jesus explicitly as a prophet, but there's the prophecy coming fulfilled in Jesus. So there's that image. Um, yeah. And also I think there's just something to be said about him being presented in Jerusalem, which is uh-huh. the Davidic city. It's a city yep. of the king. Um, the temple is the place of priestly worship um, and priestly sacrifice. So he's certainly priest and king um, at the very least, you know? Yeah. So I'm glad. Thank you. Um, and the, the what struck my attention and imagination when, you're, when you mentioned that before was remind, being reminded of the three uh, wise men, the Magi, mm. who came and their gifts kind of rep- representing the priestly, the prophetic, and the um, kingly mm. aspects of mm-hmm. his life as well in those gifts, mm-hmm. pre- presenting them to this Christ child. And now Christ is presented as those things before the Lord. And so I wonder if there's if there's a homily there to not compare the two events, but to show how this is a continuation. How, yeah, 40 days down the line, we've got, you know, a, a different reality, and this is a developing to that last line, um, we are growing stronger. Mm-hmm. We are finding mm-hmm. this wisdom in more and more concrete ways as we go, as we move towards uh, Easter. Sure, sure. Um, here's a question for you, you know, as maybe we round out a homily, like what's what's maybe the, the challenge or the moral dimension here for some, like the, what's the so what? What would you yeah. point to as like, no, what's a, a so good, what for us, you know? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't, no. <laughs> um, I do like what you, I mean, and I think that's, that can be the question for most homilies is who is this Jesus? Mm-hmm. Like, wh- yeah. What is, who is this? The Jesus mean? What is this? Yeah. Yeah. Who is, th- who is this? And what does it mean for me or right. rather for us? Right. Um, I mean, the, the psalm question, it's repeated as a question. You know, who yeah, is this king yeah. of glory? Um, that's a good question for someone listening, someone receiving this as, you know, good news for Sunday. What is, who is Jesus in my life? Yeah. Um, I Maybe, you know, I don't know what you think about this, but I'm really struck by the image of Simeon and Anna. It's like, I, there are times in my yeah. life where I feel like I'm waiting a freaking long time for yeah. God to like... Absolutely. Sh- to s- deliver me from my waiting, you know? Um we kind of talked about this when we talked about Advent, but like Simeon and Anna were both advanced in years. And like, yeah. so sometimes well, we have to wait a while. You know, how am I persevering in fidelity yeah, to God, yeah, even yeah, though maybe yeah. he's not answering my prayers right now? No, I like that. And, you know, and it, and it ends with more waiting. The child grew and became strong. He's not there mm-hmm. yet. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So what does that yep. mean for us when we expect everything immediate to happen? Yeah. And we expect oh, totally. our faith as soon as we enter. This is the struggle with a lot of converts. Like they expect their faith to immediately be that of St. Augustine or St. Thomas. 
And it's like, well, they went through a lot <laughs> to get to who they mm. were, all the saints. Right. Right. Um, and so yeah. we, in a sense, we have to, we have to wait like Simeon and Anna, and we have to imitate Christ who became strong, who grew and was filled with wisdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Cool, man. Any uh, parting words for this week? Uh, no. No. <laughs> Just the go usual? Pray. Yeah, go, usual. Go pray. <laughs> All right, man. Sounds good. Happy birthday, and we'll talk next week. All righty. Cheers. You can, say, you can say thank you, you know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Bye.